broadcasting from the We the People radio network. The date today is uh, Thursday, July 31st, 2008. My name is Benjamin Miller, and I'm chilling here with no one. It's just me. My uh, usual partners in thought crime, Tony Pax and Pyeth, are off being degenerates in Las Vegas while I'm here holding down the fort locally. We do have an excellent show uh, for everyone tonight. Despite that, we've got William Lewis, writer-slash-director-slash-creator of Washington, You're Fired, the newest political documentary that's hitting the streets and making quite a big impact, if I may say so myself. I'm uh, going to be talking to him about his latest film as well as uh, some of his earlier works and some brand-new legislation that the fecally charged turds in Washington are proposing. Uh, but before that, I will be getting into some news. And as always, we will be taking your phone calls throughout the show. Straight ahead, you are on the farm. You need to pray for the good Lord. Protect America. right up so we could uh, start our conversation about all that is crooked and twisted in Washington, D.C., but I was reading through the news and I figured I'd quickly grace our audience with the ridiculousness that is going on in the world today. First article, CIA kills Al-Qaeda bomb maker for a second time. <laughs> this is out of Infowars.com. Excuse me. Out of Infowars.com. Uh, Kurt Nimmo wrote this. Uh, so disconnected from reality is the average Fox News watcher the government can kill al-Qaeda terrorists over and over, and he does not notice. Abu Khabib al-Mazri, a.k.a. Mirat Mursi al-Sayed Umar, described as al-Qaeda's chemical and biological weapons expert, was reportedly killed on July 29th by a CIA drone on the Afghan border. He was said to have $5 million bounty on his head. Western diplomats said it would be a boost to morale in the Bush administration, struggling with mounting troops casualties in Afghanistan and a revival of militant attacks in Iraq, reports the Financial Times. It's all about morale, or rather propaganda, and has nothing to do with reality, uh, says Kurt Nomo. It's about sending a message to Pakistani's new government. The supposed elimination of al-Masri was perfectly timed to coincide with a meeting between Bush and Pakistani Prime Minister Youssef Raza Jelani. In fact, al-Masri's death is a recycled bit of propaganda, on January 18, 2006, ABC News reported that Pakistani officials now believe that al-Qaeda's master bomb maker and chemical weapons expert was one of the men killed in last week's U.S. missile attack in eastern Pakistan. Midat Mirzri, 52, also known as Abu Kabab al-Mazri, was identified by Pakistani authorities as one of the four known major al-Qaeda leaders present at an apparent terror summit in the village of Damaldala early last Friday morning. At the time, it was said the attack... Missed its target, uh, blah, 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 but kind of gets into the fact that, uh, <laughs> that once again, they're using the death of terrorists, terrorists to uh, propagandize the American media, dumb us down, and we are so stupid that we don't even know which terrorists are alive and death. They could just put any name with, with 15 consonants on there, and we'll all, we'll all just go, mm, how great is our government, how wonderful they are for killing all those terrorists. Uh, so that's, that's one thing. Uh, another thing also is uh, a lot of people don't know this, but seven uh, out, of the, out of the 19 hijackers are still alive on 9-11. So uh, there's another example of 
how they kill people fakely or accidentally or, or whatever they do. And, uh, and the American people just go, hmm, sounds great. Um, I, uh, I, I got another story right here, and it's just it's, it's absolutely horrible. Um, another video of NYPD cop brutality surfaces. Uh, the day after a video emerged of a cop knocking a cyclist to the ground, a second video alleging police brutality surfaced today, which, uh, which an NYPD officer is seen wailing away at a man's legs with a baton. I'm telling you, if you go watch this video, it's, it's probably uh, some of the saddest uh, footage that you'll ever see in your life. Uh, one, because, you know, everybody is just screaming around uh, while this man is this, this huge guy is just getting the crap beat out of him by a, a baton by this officer that just swam. And, and if you've ever seen a police baton in real life, if you ever had a, a cop friend or something like that, and you're like, let me see your baton, uh, you take a look at it, you hold it in your hands, you feel the weight on it, and it's, it's terrifying to know what that could do to a person. Um, and here's this guy, this video of this guy getting completely, his ass just getting completely whooped by a cop just smashing uh, his, his shins with the baton so hard that the baton breaks. Uh, people are screaming all over the place, and it's really depressing to see. Uh, one, because, you know, it's the abuse by the police officers, but two... Uh, because it, just just the humanity of it all, the way that they just take away our humanity one step at a time. Well, well, uh, you know, you, you can you can hear the screams and the uh, unnatural behavior of everybody in the place when they see one of their fellow human beings getting beaten to crap uh, by somebody who was frustrated in him because maybe he wasn't complying correctly or blah 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 or, or whatever. Or maybe they were twisting his arms and he couldn't comply, uh, and and they just got mad at him and just beat the crap out of him. So, I mean, it's, it's very, very, very sad stuff like that happening lately. Uh, this coming out of the DNC, the Colorado Fusion Center, to step up intelligence gathering during uh, the DNC. Federal law enforcement and military will monitor suspicious activities for security threats. Uh, the Colorado Information Analysis Center, a hub for state, local, and federal law enforcement, is like police intelligence units on steroids, claims one civil uh, liberties expert. Take a look at that. That's a pretty interesting article right there. Um, and, and now we're, we're getting a little bit more about this thing that we talked about Tuesday where the cop basically body slams a bicyclist to the ground, then lies to all his, uh, his bosses and to the public saying that he slammed him off the ground uh, <laughs> because the bicyclist swirled into him and uh, he was just, you know, he was disrupting the flow of traffic and the NYPD officer was just doing his job. But we got it on tape, so uh, he got pretty much nabbed for it. Um, but it's 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 retarded. OK, cyclists here always already face enough os- obstacles, said New York City Councilman David Yasky. Law enforcement shouldn't be one of them. Um, Patrick Pogan, a 22 year old rookie cop, it turns out he was that body slammed this guy. Um, I don't know if you've watched this video yet, but if you if you do, it's ridiculous. He slams the guy off his bicycle bicycle. It easily, easily could have been fatal. Um, the guy easily could have snapped his neck or or cracked his uh, back on the, on the curb and just been paralyzed for life. Just a horrible, horrible fall. Um, this 22-year-old year old rookie cop, Patrick Pogan, former football offensive lineman. He got jacked by an offensive lineman. Wow. Oh, that is crazy. And son of a retired NYPD detective claimed in court documents that 29-year-old Christopher Long of uh, Bloomfield, New Jersey, was forcing multiple vehicles to stop abruptly or change their direction to avoid hitting the defendant Incredible. Pogan also alleged that that Long knocked him to the ground after deliberately aiming the bicycle towards him. Uh, 
Video uploaded to YouTube appears to contradict that claim, showing Pogan moving in front of Long as he attempts to ride past a line of officers and shoves Long to the ground. The footage the New York Daily News noted clearly shows Long trying to dodge Pogan, who appears to have remained upright the entire time. So basically it was just a bunch of crap and the, the cop was arguing. Um, but the, but the, inter- the interesting part about this is uh, the retired NYPD detective, Pogan's father, who, um, who, was, uh, who, who raised his son, says, I'm proud of my son, if you believe that. Uh, Patrick Pogan Sr. said, retired NYPD detective and former joint terrorism tax force member. He's a good kid, he says. So, once again, you have ignorant parents raising ignorant children. The guy doesn't even know what a good, good kid is. That's why he raised a, a dumbass. Um, and then that, that, that's it. That's There you have it. Um, an- another one, and I'm just kind of firing through the articles right here because we do have a, a very long entry, interview with uh, William Lewis, filmmaker, um, activist, documentary person, uh, extraordinaire coming up after this break so i'm just going to shoot through all these articles as fast as i can to give you the news um this one's very 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 bad uh came from think progress and it is exclusive to provoke war cheney considered proposal to dress up navy seals as iranians and shoot at them i'll read that again to provoke war cheney considered proposals to dress up Navy SEALs as Iranians and shoot at them. Speaking at the Campus Progress Journalism Conference earlier this month, Seymour Hirsch, a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist for The New Yorker, revealed that the Bush administration officials held a meeting recently in the vice president's office to discuss ways to provoke a war with Iran. Uh, Seymour Hirsch, for everybody that doesn't know, he's the guy that brought out the Guantanamo, uh, not the Guantanamo thing, the uh, torture scandals at Abu Ghraib. He saw some of the videos that none of us were able to see and uh, had described them as being much, much worse than any of us could ever imagine. Uh, but anyways, I digress. In Hirsch's most recent article, he reports that this meeting occurred in the wake of the overblown incident in the Strait of Hermaz when a U.S. carrier almost shot at a few small Iranian speedboats. The meeting took place in the vice president's office. The subject was how to create a casus belly between, I don't know how to pronounce that, between Tehran and Washington According to one of Hirsch's sources, interviewing Hirsch during the journalism conference event, I asked him specifically about this meeting and if he could elaborate on what had occurred. Hirsch explained that during the meeting in Cheney's office, an idea was considered to dress up Navy SEALs as Iranians, put them on fake Iranian speedboats, and shoot at them. This idea intended to provoke an Iran war uh, was ultimately rejected. Now, a, a good question for everybody out there is, if you think that, if you think that your government's great and that they love you and that they support the troops... They're the one putting out the propaganda. You need to support the troops while the, the commander-in-chief and his, his evil uh, sidekick cohort, well, I shouldn't even say sidekick, his, his evil Sith Lord that rules over him and tells him what to do and whispers devilish, snakish things in his ear, uh, is, is telling, creating orders to shoot at the troops. Um, that should get everybody alarmed. That should get everybody to break the paradigm. Everybody needs to get that story and, and put it out. Uh, this is from the raw story right here. Judiciary Committee approves resolution holding Rove in contempt of Congress. Uh, Carl Rove, who uh, who basically got subpoenaed by Congress and basically just said, no, nah, I'm not going to show up. Screw you guys. Uh, he's He might be, uh, be be held in contempt. We'll see if, if anybody gets some backbone or if it's, uh, if it's more political crap going on between the uh, Democrats and, and Republicans, the the Republicrats, as everybody calls them. Judiciary Committee approves resolution holding Rove in contempt of Congress. 
Uh, the House Judiciary Committee has voted 20 to 14 to approve a contempt of Congress resolution against former White House Deputy Chief of Staff Karl Rove for his failure to appear after a congressional subpoena. Uh, voting along party lines Wednesday morning, the committee said Rove broke the law by failing to appear at a July 10th hearing on allegations of White House influence over the Justice Department, including whether Rove encouraged prosecutions against Democrats. Today's vote was an important statement by this committee that no person, not even Karl Rove, is above the law. <laughs> uh, Karl Rove is below the law, in my opinion. Uh, Judiciary Chairman John Conyers said in the news release, this week's Inspector General report on the pervasive politicization of the Department of Justice particular underscores the urgent need for Mr. Rove to testify before Congress. Any suggestion that the matters for which Mr. Rove was subpoenaed are not important or that no administration misconduct misconduct has been revealed is just inconsistent with the facts our investigation has revealed mr rove to be a key figure in the firing of u.s uh, attorneys and the questions about his role in the siegelman case only continue to mount well just firing through these news stories here uh jesse ventura to join the ron paul revolution which is, which is very interesting as well uh, Jesse Ventura, um, who decided not to run for his senator seat, now we're finding out he decided not to run on a flip of a coin. <laughs> I guess uh, him and his wife, wife decided to put it up to fate, and they would, uh, you know, flip a coin and see if he was uh, going to run or not. So uh, that's that's how it happened. Very strange. That's what he said on the Howard Stern show recently, uh, which is a good inter interview, by the way. You should you should definitely check that out. Um, but yes, Jesse Ventura is to, uh, is going to join the Ron Paul Revolution. Former Minnesota Governor Jesse Ventura will appear at Ron Paul's rally for the Republic. It was announced on the Alex Jones show today. Jesse Benton, Ron, Ron Paul's communication director, came on uh, the show to provide details about the event to be held between August 31st and September 2nd. Jesse Ventura helped the 9-11 truth movement immeasurably when he came out on the Alex Jones show and revealed his belief that the attacks were an inside job. Ventura said he was convinced the collapse of the of the World Trade Center and specifically Building 7 were controlled demolitions not dissimilar to the demolition of Las Vegas hotels. Ventura has experience with explosives from basic underwater, underwater demolition SEAL training, and this experience led him to believe the towers were brought down by demolition. More recently, Ventura appeared on Fox News' Hannity and Combs and said America is on the verge of falling to corporate fascism. I'd have to wholeheartedly believe, uh, uh, agree with him there. Uh, I truly believe that as well. Uh, Ventura, Ventura will appear with other notables, including Amy Allen, Barry Goldwater Jr., Grover Nordquist, Tucker Carlson, and others. <laughs> Tucker Carlson, wow, is uh, going to be joining the Ron Paul Revolution. Incredible. Um, and this, in this article right here, this is a, a strange one to finish it off before we get to William Lewis. Um, uh, Utah congressman mailed 9-11 conspiracies, and then he handed them over to Capitol Police because we all know that that's illegal nowadays. Uh, an otherwise uninteresting article in the Salt Lake Tribune about Utah representatives receiving different kinds of mail has thrown up some disturbing information regarding letters about 9-11 truth. Amongst the stories about congress congressmen receiving letters from people who use Star Trek stationery and from kids wanting homework outlawed, we find the following little tidbit. Others have written about 9-11 conspiracies, global takeovers, or secret CIA mind control techniques that got so crazy, we actually had to hand them over to Capitol Police. That's because it is that crazy, uh, he said. Apparently not accepting the government's version of events surrounding 9-11 may land you in trouble with the cops if you're writing from Utah. Um, and and <laughs> one of the great things about this article, and Steve, Steve Watson uh, from Infowars.net, uh, this is a great article, and he's, he's a very uh, sarcastic writer. 
So one of the things that he says, uh, you know, down here, and one more thing, the CIA is not involved in mind control, and we all know that that is extremely untrue. If you look at uh, uh, MK Ultra, uh, that's one thing. Just just Google that. Google MK Ultra. You'll you'll find a lot of a lot of different interesting facts about uh, the government's use of, of mind control. But uh, we are going to be talking to William Lewis when we get back. Um, is the director Washington fired uh, which is a very 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 good documentary I highly suggest everybody check it out stay tuned we will be right back animalfarmshow.com is the website If you'd like to uh, drop us an instant message, it's Animal Farm Show, all one word. Uh, That's an AOL instant messenger screen name. And our website is animalfarmshow.com. We are uh, joined here by William Lewis, uh, writer, director, uh, filmmaker, extraordinary. William, can you hear me? I'm here. Excellent. Well, it's great to have you on the show again. I can hear you just fine. It is great to have Hi you on there. the show again, uh, William. Um, now we we gave your bio before bio out before, and we and we uh, read it. But maybe if you want to talk about yourself a little bit, you know what what is your history? Um, you know when did you wake up to what was happening? Uh, what, con- what you know what caused you to wake up? Wow, uh, that's going back to about uh, 1995, 1996, right in that time period, and uh, back then I was. Working in the recording industry, um, I was a producer and a writer, and I did uh, CD covers and things of that nature for um, a guy named Stan Lewis, who was uh, in Shreveport, Louisiana, who started out with people like BB King and Tina Turner, and just a bunch of uh, really popular people, and it turned into a you know a huge successful label, and I was um, you know doing these uh, these CDs and producing records for him, and uh, it was the internet. You know, while I'm sitting there designing the um, the cover for whatever the next piece is that's coming out, you know, yeah. I've got three computer monitors in front of me, and I've got Jeff Rinst on one of them and Alex Jones on the other, and, you know, I'm sitting there listening to these uh, these radio programs that are that are coming across. There. You know, at the time, there was, they were very plentiful. You had uh, tons of archives. You could go pick your your topic and listen to them, and, and back then it was, you know, absolutely free. It's still free for, for most people to go do it, but um, anyway, you, it was, you know, it was just, it was simple research on the internet and, you know, finding out about um, chemtrails and finding out about uh, mind control experiments and the CIA and their MK Ultra experiments and some of the things that you were just talking about, you know, um, those really piqued my interest, got me to, to doing more research, and I, I ended up going to work for um, American Freedom News, which was a radio program back in about 2000 that was broadcast on shortwave radio, and uh, we reported on all of these things. Uh, you know, it was uh, 
you know, an attempt, just like just like you guys, to uh, go on the radio and wake people up. Yeah. And uh, from there, you know, I, I went straight into video production, and uh, the first documentary that we ended up putting out was 911 in Plain Sight, which was, um, you know, mainly, I, I think, the, you know, the main reason we put that out is because we had access to all of this footage. We could, uh, you know, look look through the footage, sift through the footage, and see that they were lying to us. And it was, well, wow, won't this make a great presentation to show people that they're lying to us about any number of the aspects of 911, whether it's the size of the hole at the Pentagon or whether it's uh, whether a plane can vaporize at 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit or whether a building can collapse from a fire that, you know, was only roughly 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, yeah. You know, all of these all these issues came up, and uh, you know, that's that's kind of the beginning of the beginning of it all. Now, what what kind of special access did you have to that to that footage? Was it special, or was it did you just archive everything from that day? Well, it was at the time because no one else had really gone and done that. Yeah. Um, you know, we had we had people out there who were putting tapes in their machines, recording on every single channel, and then they mailed them to us. So, you know, not only did not only did we have the footage, we had the originals. Uh, so it was, you know, fairly clear in most instances, and uh, just very obvious what was going on. So that kind of started a chain reaction of, of examining the video and the photographic evidence, and that's where nine one one in place I came from. Wow, interesting. So, so then what what was it that led you to the whole government is lying about us thing? You know, you said you had Jeff Rance and Alex Jones on two of your monitors while you were doing work, but uh, you know, what was it that led you to those guys in in, in the first place? <laughs> Oh, man, I used to research all sorts of strange things. Um, you know, the, the whole uh, Jessup story where they discovered aliens at an underground mine, and, um, you know, there was some, this big battle ensued between the United States government and these other aliens. You know, I was just hitting on topics like that, and those really piqued my interest, really got me interested in what I consider to be less conspiratorial issues, which is things that you can prove through documentation. Yeah. And, you know, you know, we're pretty big on presenting documentation in a documentary so that we can uh, get our point across and prove it to people, which was where Absolutely. Beyond Treason came from. You know, yep. um, in, in Beyond Treason, we include an entire CD-ROM of all of the uh, information that we were able to obtain through the Freedom of Information Act. And, you know, it's quite a resource for people who are out there investigating Gulf War illness or any of these other number of diseases that come from depleted uranium or exposure to chemicals, biological weapons, things of that nature. Yeah. Well, it is really crazy when you look at, you know, the, just the notion of government in general, and you sort of, uh, you know, when you're able to step outside yourself as a human being and you're able to look back at what you thought before you woke up, you can say, wow, you know, like, I've watched movies out there, some secret, you know, Tom Clancy type of movies where there's agents running around and doing all this covert secret stuff, James Bond type of stuff, and then, but you're like, oh, but that's just fiction, that's Hollywood, that's, you know, that's and make believe, but then when you actually look in and you look at all these uh, CIA mind control names like MK Ultra, like we were just talking about, you see that these things are not only um, being portrayed on the big screen, but most of it isn't even being portrayed at all. Most of it is is much deeper than what certain authors have written and whatnot. Well, sure. I mean, you um, you'll take a look at conspiracy theory, which you know Mel Gibson is in that one, and they're exploring the idea of MK Ultra. 
And, um, you know, I, I think they could have gone a little bit deeper just with that one movie alone. Um, <laughs> you know, there's funny things in it where the space shuttle blows up and he was right about it and things of that nature, which mm-hmm. are just, you know, funny little things to break up all of the uh, the heavy parts of the film. But, you know, some of that stuff was, was true that they were joking about, which I thought yeah. was fantastic. Um, you know, but, you know, getting getting onto the uh, whole topic of, of MK Ultra and the mind control experiment. I mean, they were literally force feeding LSD to people who didn't know what they were taking. Um, you know, these were biological experiments, and yes, it was it was intended to control the mind. But there's a lot of different ways to do that. And they would start out young kids with, um, you know, sleep deprivation or some type of um, environmental. Uh, Control, which would be putting them maybe in a box where there's no light, or yeah. you know things of that nature. To well, they, did, they did, from my understanding, it was trauma-based mind control, and what they tried to do is they tried to compartmentalize the mind so that they would um, they would they would basically traumatize a, a child or a human being, and then with that uh, traumatization, they would add a command or or a, a memory of some sort, and then as soon as they wanted to awaken that command, they would instantly. Um, snap them into that trauma again um, that they had original that their mind had originally shot them out of. Yeah, they were trying to split off their personalities. You know, they were yes. trying to create a dual personality in this person, one that is visible, and then one is in the subconscious, waiting to be used, waiting to awaken. So, yeah, yeah pretty scary stuff. Very, very, very serious stuff. And, uh, you know, well, they love our troops. They, they love our troops. They love our, uh, our agents. They love the American people. And, and that's why they do these things, because, because they love us. <laughs> of course. And they <laughs> want to protect us from the terrorists. Exactly. That's all they're interested in. Um, and, and, yeah, and, and we, we'll, we will be getting to, I want to be, I want to get into the depleted uranium and how, how they love us on that, uh, on that level, too, when we get back. Folks, we're talking to William Lewis. Uh, film creator of uh, Washington, You Were Fired, one of the best political documentaries I've ever seen. Uh, needs to get out to everybody right now to let them know what's happening. So we'll, we'll, we'll be right back. We're talking to William Lewis, and we'll get into uh, some of his other films when we return. Stay tuned. I'm handicapped right now. I have one arm, um, and I'm doing I'm doing it, uh, the show alone, so <laughs> I'm very handicapped. Uh, but the number to call in is five one two six four six nineteen eighty four. If you'd like to drop us an instant message, uh, if you have any questions for uh, uh, William, we will relay them. Animal Farm Show, all one word. That's AOL Instant Messenger. Um, and our website, of course, is animalfarmshow.com. Uh, we're talking with William Lewis, documentary filmmaker, um, who's made so many, so many documentaries. Tell me about some of the other films, William. You've uh, Tell me about Beyond Treason. We were just getting into um, uh, the way that they mutilate our troops and they essentially test biological weapons and things like that on them. What, what does Beyond Treason cover in, in regards to that? Well, Beyond Treason was an attempt to show people that this is nothing new. You know, we wanted to uh, obviously expose depleted uranium, and we wanted to expose the, to the public that the troops were 
exposed to biological and chemical weapons, especially at the Camasilla weapons facility um, and storage facility there in, uh, in Iraq. And, um, you know, a good way for us to do that was just to basically start out 60 years in the past and kind of lead up to it. And, you know, we covered everything from Project White Coat, which was, you know, taking a bunch of uh, Seventh-day Adventists and telling them that they're going to be experimented on, but just not telling them quite what they're going to be receiving. And it was, you know, biological experiments that were detrimental to these men. Many of them died as a result. And, yeah. um, you know, what else was there? Uh, Agent Orange, MK Ultra, um, just, you know, a whole host of things that have happened over the past 60 years leading up to 1991 and the first Gulf War when all of these first exposures took place. And, you know, many people are, are just, you know, completely uh, oblivious to the fact that depleted uranium is lethal, not just... Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> not no, just, no. We're, we're, kind of, we're getting into serious stuff, but, you know, it's just explain to people what depleted uranium is, because a lot of people don't even know that still. <laughs> okay. Well, there's... Um, I mean, basically what you do is you take uh, uranium, weapons-grade uranium, and they extract from it just the isotopes that they need to be able to um, create their fusion bomb or their, you know, explosion, and there's you know, very, very little of the uranium that is, has been purified actually is usable. There's a lot left over, and they consider the stuff that is left over from the process depleted uranium, but there's nothing depleted about it. It's still radioactive, and unfortunately, it still has a, a half-life of 4.5 billion years. And maybe there's some people out there who don't understand that terminology, but Basically, what, what that means is if you have a pound of depleted uranium today, 4.5 billion years from now, you're still going to have a half a pound of depleted uranium. And 4.5 billion years from then, you'll have a quarter of a pound of depleted uranium. So, sure, it does go away eventually, but, you know, 4.5 billion years multiplied by however long it takes it to go away is forever. So yeah. we've, we've contaminated the entire region of the Middle East with depleted uranium. We've used it in just about every single war, you know, Kosovo, uh, Afghanistan. There's just, you know, it's become a weapon of choice, especially for killing tanks. It's, um, it's perfect, you know, for, for doing that sort of thing because nothing can stop it. It just pierces the tank, and upon impact, as it enters the tank, it explodes, and this stuff goes all over the place, a big fire, big explosion. But unfortunately, in that big explosion, a lot of the fragments of this stuff go up into the air, and it, it becomes vaporized. So it becomes these very minute particles that float around in the air mixed with the sand, and then get, get, get carried away to all of the different regions in the Middle East. Uh, and, and our guys were over there breathing this stuff in, which was what led to a lot of the illnesses from 1991 and the first Gulf War, and why a lot of the guys coming back were giving these, you know, contaminated, you know, whatever they had to their wives and their children, and birth defect rates were going up, and it was because we had introduced all of these people to depleted uranium. To enter, you know, depleted uranium was in their system, and, you know, you can, you can pass that stuff on in your body fluid. So guys that went back to their wives 
and conceive children were contaminating their wives. And now that their wives were contaminated, the children that they were bearing were contaminated. And it's, you know, it's, just, it's an awful, horrendous act by our government because this, and this is the problem is they've known for like 30 years, I believe, since the Groves Memorandum came out, that depleted uranium was lethal. They wanted to, and said so in the document, they wanted to develop it as a poison gas weapon because they knew that it would vaporize, contaminate the, the entire area that they were talking about. People would breathe it in, and it was a poison gas. They'd die. Uh, and yet they will go on, you know, the Department of Defense will go on television today and tell you that depleted uranium is perfectly safe and, you know, sure, it is when it's in bullet form, but not after it's been fired, not after it's exploded and not after it's vaporized, it becomes a, uh, a situation where they have to bring in people to, to clean it up. And yeah, that they'll, was, they'll tell you it's pixie dust and, and not to worry about it and everything's just fine. Um, you know, and, which is, and people will just go along in their everyday lives and go, oh, okay. But how many people do you think have been affected overall by depleted uraniums just in terms of our troops alone? Is it, is it in the hundreds of thousands, do you think, where, they're, where they've had health problems? Some have even died, maybe? Oh, it's definitely in the hundreds of thousands. Really? There's no doubt. I mean, even some of our guys that are, um, you know, high-ranking officials that have just simply gone over there don't even realize that they're breathing this stuff in, and it's like a time bomb. Once it gets into your lungs, it can sit there for a while before it decides it wants to spread to your liver or your kidneys or wherever it's going to spread. So, you know, there are far-reaching effects here within our own Department of Defense. Those guys don't even realize that, that there's a problem yet. Our guys got sick so quickly because they were right there on the battlefield and they were breathing this stuff in directly. And there's other things that are factored into this as well, uh, the chemicals and the biologicals. There was a, a giant weapons storage facility over there called Camasilla. That's the region, the Camasilla region. And okay. these bunkers, these were huge bunkers. Each one of these things was about the size of a super Walmart, and there were hundreds of bunkers. So hundreds of super-sized Walmarts, each of them filled to the brim with take your pick of whatever weapon you want. <laughs> and when we discovered it, uh, they decided, well, we need to blow this up. We don't want them to use this in any future wars. But the real reason that they wanted to blow these things up is because when you started taking a look at the markings on the crates of these chemicals and biologicals, they were sold to the Iraqis from people like, you know, countries like the United States and the United Kingdom and Russia and China yeah. And, you know, we were the people selling these, these chemicals and these biologicals to them. And we believe that this is the reason why they wanted to discard the evidence so quickly, blow it up, get rid of it, no one will know about it. And they were so, I guess, they were so anxious to, to get it done that they just completely forgot to tell our troops to put on their mop suits. You know, they forgot to tell them to suit up because when we blow these things up, a big chemical and biological rainstorm is going to come down on top of you, and you're going to get it on your skin, and you're going to breathe it in, and you're going to be exposed to this stuff. And, of course, we know now that the order never came to put on your mock suit, and as a result, I believe it was about 75,000 troops that were in that area at the time were all exposed to this. 
Yeah, that is that is like that is horrendous. It's beyond horrendous. Um, I mean, do, does that have anything to do with the Gulf War illness, or is that something else? Well, this is why they call it Gulf War syndrome, because okay. it it it's not some you know the 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 symptoms vary from person to person, but the reason they vary from person to person is because different people react differently to the same you know, uh, biological or chemical that they've been exposed to, and different people were exposed to more of one thing than another. For instance, we had, um, sure, we had depleted uranium, we had chemicals and biologicals, but we also had the oil well fires that were going on at the time. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm personally friends with a Navy SEAL who said he was in charge of helping to blow those oil wells up. In other words, <laughs> we wanted a situation where we could inflame the world and make everybody in the United States angry to go to war with Iraq, and the United States decided to covertly blow those oil wells up. Oh, and man, it's, so, it's so, so typical. We're coming up on a break, William. Hold on. Hold that thought. We'll, we'll come back to that when we get back. William Lewis is on the line. He's tell, talking about everything under the sun. Stay tuned. will uh, listen to this show and they'll say, oh, you're so extreme for, for calling uh, Washington, people in Washington, fecally charged turds, but they really are pieces of crap. If you go and you Google depleted uranium babies, you'll see how crappy these people are. You'll see how disgusting our policy is um, in terms of this, the chemical weapons that we put and, and how bad we've screwed over the Middle East. Um, William, you know, we were just talking about depleted uranium and your film Beyond Treason. Um, what other things besides depleted uranium did that film cover? Well, like I said before, uh, biological exposures, chemical exposures, oil well fires, and um, you know, a, a, hopefully, a, a good section on uh, getting people in tune with you know <laughs> the, the information because um, you know, to our knowledge, this was the first time that a lot of this information was was being given out, and we. We don't want to give too much information in one documentary, but at the same time, there was <laughs> there was a lot. You know, we had to. Uh, we originally came out with almost a two-hour documentary, and we were test screening it, and people were starting to squirm in their seats at about the 90-minute mark. So we, <laughs> we decided yeah. to go back and shorten it just a little bit. So um, you know, we, uh, we we came out with a good even, I think, um, uh, approximately 90 minutes on the documentary of. of just uh, you know, absolutely horrendous experiments carried out by the Department of Defense on us and on our troops. I mean, we're not just talking about um, exposures to the the military. You know, there are uh, experiments that have been carried out in cities where they were spraying us with aerosols and different types of uh, biological weapons just to see how long it would take this stuff to spread and monitoring the wind current and, you know, where the stuff was being taken and how long it took it to get there and, you know, how can we, you know, I'm sure this was, was twofold so that they could uh, measure in the event of an attack here in the United States how quickly something like that would spread and if they wanted to use it themselves, you know, in, in some war or, you know, some urban setting that they would understand the effects better, how it would spread through 
for them. But, but you know, the problem, of course, comes comes to light that no one was ever given an option. You know, <laughs> the cancer rates that we're talking about that have skyrocketed and uh, diseases and things that have taken place in this country over the past 30 years are a direct result of our own Department of Defense and these experiments that they're carrying out on the American people without our, without our knowledge and without our consent. And, you know, we have, uh, we have laws in this country, <laughs> and uh, we believe that these men are putting themselves above the law and above your well-being and your welfare and carrying out these experiments. And they're, they're illegal. These men need to be punished. And, and these, uh, you know, people who have come up with these ideas, I mean, something needs to happen. Something needs to happen in the Department of Defense, and it needs to be huge. Uh, and um, some accountability needs to be anti-death. You know, yeah. I mean, our, our Department of Defense is our, our complete scumbags. Our entire country is, is practically run on the military-industrial complex, and we, we talked about that a little bit last week on the show, um, and also the, you know, the medical-industrial complex and things of that nature, but Department of Defense is, is truly a, uh, um, a, a cult, if you will, um, just in the way that they, they treat people and uh, their, their disregard for human life in general. William, do you uh, mind taking some phone calls? All right, we have uh, Chris in Oklahoma. Chris, you are on the air. Hi. Yes, uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, is this Tony or uh, Ben? This is Ben. I'm, I'm flying solo right now. Well, I got me and my scotch. You're, so you're to me, scotch job. and Willow Blues tonight. I'm, I'm a co-host on uh, Radio Free Oklahoma. You guys do a great job. I really enjoy listening to your show. Um, oh, I wanted to uh, just uh, share a quick story. A relative of mine was uh, trained in Special Forces out of Fort Lewis in Washington, he was deployed in November of 2001 and served uh, two two-year uh, uh, tours, uh, two and um, two years in Afghanistan, two in Iraq. He came back, and uh, 28 of uh, people in his, I guess it's what they call it, the squad or platoon, were tested. Uh, he knew that he was exposed to depleted uranium. He was tested in Connecticut under a it was a grant program. He didn't have to pay out of his pocket, and these were 28 uh, guys that he had served with over those four years. Every one of them came back a positive hit uh, test for depleted uranium, and he had tried over the last couple of years to have kids, and his wife miscarried three times. And in addition to a whole raft of really uh, uh, crazy uh, side effects, and I, I can't get into the, the graphic details, but his um, he, he was in tears when he told me about it, and he knew that I was in kind of the truth movement and so forth. And I was shocked for, for over two hours. I was listening to him on the phone. And uh, so what you guys are talking about is the real deal. He put his life on the line for four years, and that's what he had to show for it. Him and his wife can't have a family normally now. They're considering adopting. And so I, I just want to let your guests know that uh, he's right on the mark and to keep up the good work and continue to get the truth out. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. We're all trying our best, man. You're welcome. You guys take care. Keep up the good work. Um, we'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we often talk about things on this radio show where, we're, you know, William and I are talking right now and we're sort of th throwing the number out there, you know, like hundreds of thousands of troops, um, you know, really affected by this. But a lot of the time when we, uh, we, we forget when we're talking about what I do anyways is forget that each of those 100,000, uh, you know, a couple hundred thousand different cases is so personal and so 
painful uh, to so many people that it's just it is such a huge deal. I mean, I'm sitting here with a broken arm and I'm like, this sucks really bad, but <laughs> I don't have depleted uranium in my body. I mean, that I mean, th- this it's such a big deal. And, you know, we're it's it's it, we have to start realizing the severity of the situation out there. We can say, oh, 100,000 or a couple hundred thousand people got you know sick from depleted uranium. But if you think about each and every one of those simple simple people and the, the the pain and the crap that they had to go through as a result of this and then to see our government lie and cover it up in the department of defense uh start try, start trying to to get more wars into uh into fruition and and more depleted uranium out there in the air it's just it makes you sick i mean does it make you sick william yeah and you know you want to take into account too that each one of those hundred thousand individuals has a wife or a husband and children, and potentially, you know, unconceived children involved. So we're, we're not just talking about 100,000 people here. We're talking about millions of people. It's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. Um, you know, we, we have got to get, we've got to get a hold of our government. Uh, we, we just, we have to do that. Otherwise, this type of stuff is going to continue to happen. Uh, and Washington, you are fired is, is, you know, what that's all about. Now, I want, I want to get into that film uh, real quick, Washington, you're fired. It's just uh, an incredible documentary. We had you on the air right after the film came out, but now that people have sort of had a chance to digest it and uh, take a look at it and pass it around to everybody, you know, what what are people saying about this film? <laughs> well, we haven't had any complaints so far. Uh, <laughs> That's you know, good. I would hope not. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's doing what we wanted it to do, and that was uh, educate people and motivate them. And um, we, we knew that people, you know, after, after seeing these atrocities committed right under our nose and laws and bills passed that we show clearly are unconstitutional, um, that they would want to insert themselves in some way back into the political process and try to do something about it. And that's what, that's what Washington is fired is all about, is it's not just what have they done to us, it's what are we going to do about it. Exactly. Exactly. And the film, you know, you make a very, very simple argument in the film that you just made once again is that Congress uh, and and the president and everybody basically passes bills that are clearly 100 million percent unconstitutional. Um, But your argument for kicking them out or firing them is that they violated their oath of office. And to me, that seems so simple. That's something that I've been talking about for a while. And that's something that Tony and 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 uh, and Pyeth have been talking about for the, for a while too. Is it just a, such a simple notion? Um, they violated their oath of office, therefore they can be impeached or they can be kicked out. Why can't we just take that ball and and run with it, William? What is stopping us from doing that? Well, we need more people involved in the whole process. I mean, whose um, job would it be to 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 do that anyways? Though, in the first place, would it be a congressman Ron Paul that comes forward and says, "Okay, we need to start putting forward art- articles," or you know, what what's the process in that? Well, it's it's multiple fold. There's not necessarily any one solution. It's um, you know, it's going to take uh, our senators and our congressmen speaking out as they're doing. I mean, look at uh, look at HR. Um, 6304 that just passed, uh, we had, you know, 50 different people standing on the House floor complaining about this, letting you know that this is going to remove your Fourth Amendment rights. This is going to allow the government to spy on you. You're not going to have uh, probable cause. They don't need a warrant to do it. Um, 
And this also, you know, goes back to the telecoms and excusing them retroactively uh, and illegally. You know, constitutionally, you're not supposed to be able to pass those type of laws. Um, but this one, you know, they, they passed it anyway, and it protects the president, it protects the telecoms, and says that they're above the law. And, um, you know, this is what we're trying to point out to people, that uh, we're, it, it, it's going to take uh, just a little bit more than our congressmen getting up on the House floor and complaining about this. It didn't seem to do any good uh, then, and it's not doing any good now. We've got to be the ones involved in the political process ourselves. We've got to be the ones standing on the House floor, not just talking about the bill, but, you know, voting the right way. Like Obama, for instance, Obama voted to give your Fourth Amendment a right away. He voted, he voted for H.R. 6304, and yet it looks like he's going to be the next president. Yeah, I mean, just incredible. But I mean, that's what Washington, you're fired, is all about. It's, it's what we can do and what obstacles they're putting in our way. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. We have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order a world where the rule of law not the law of the jungle governs the conduct of nations when we are successful and we will be we have a real chance at this new world order an order in which a credible united nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the un's founders You are listening to the Animal Farm. I'm riding solo tonight. I just have my Scotch and William Lewis here chilling with me. Um, we are talking about his films and what is going on in the world. Just some horrible, horrible stuff. Uh, I wish, 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 wish people would wake up to it. Um, but William, I've I've got uh, Ron Paul's newest book in front of me, um, and on on page 41 it, it says, "Let me let me quote here. I'm, I'm crippled, so I have to." Uh, yes, though written constitutions, quote-unquote, may be violated in moments of passion or delusions, wrote Thomas Jefferson in 1802, yet they furnish a text to which those who are watchful may again rally and recall the people. Yes, and, and you know, one of, the, one of the greatest things about this movement and uh, meeting people like you and, and meeting like people like all the callers that are in there, that are out there and... Uh, that the people that email us and the people that join our forums and everything like that is just it 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 feels like uh, I hate to be I hate to be kludgy or, or inclusive here, but it's almost like we are those that are watchful. We somehow gain the skill in order to understand the patterns of the world and the the crazy the crazy tyrannical people, I guess I should say that uh, want to run this world, and we have an, a, an ability to identify them and to go after them in a way. Um, but what are the, uh, some of the measures that they are using to stop us, essentially? 
Well, there's, you know, the obvious ones. Uh, the media, for instance, won't even report most of the things that we're talking about. So if you can keep it covered up, if you can prevent people from finding out about it and prevent people from talking about it, then it doesn't even exist. And that's the problem, is, is in the minds of most of the people in this country, they don't even see these problems. They don't believe that this could possibly take place in our, in our you know, in our representative republic that we have in this country, and in, in supposedly the freest country in the world. You can't even convince um, its own citizens that these things are taking place. So it's baby steps, you know. It's, uh, and, and keep in mind, too, that uh, people aren't going to sit down and watch a documentary and, based on that one documentary alone, completely change the past 30 years of thinking, you know, that what they've been programmed with for the past 30 years. Um, you, it's, um, I think it's been shown that when someone sits down and watches a documentary, you can change their mind approximately 10%, which is why it's so important to keep bombarding your family members and your neighbors and your friends and, you know, any, anyone that you care about. You've got to bombard them with a lot of different documentaries on potentially a wide range of different topics because you never know. You never know what they're going to hear, what they're going to see in that documentary that's going to push them over the edge. There may be you know, topics that they are particularly interested in or familiar with, and you know, you begin to show those people that there's a pattern of deceit and deception, and a lot of times it tips those scales, and you know, you can you can push them over and get them to agree with you, and you know, that's what that's why we have to. You know, continually keep putting these things out because it's it's not that new things keep happening. It's just that we have to keep presenting it in in different ways. And it's it's great that there are so many different individuals out there who are putting these documentaries out. You know, it's so easy to do that these days. Anybody with a camera and a computer and you know just the slightest bit of technical know-how can sit down and do this. You know, and that's great. Yeah. That's, that's what we need. We, we, are the, we are the new media in this country. We are the, the revolution of the mind. Absolutely. And, you know, one of, one of the things, you know, Jack Blood, we're huge, huge, huge fans of Jack Blood here at the, at the animal farm. Um, and that's one of the things that he said that really got us all up and motivated. Uh, the, you know, the guys and I had talked about that. Um, you know, what was it that really made you get off your ass and buy a microphone and start putting together audio clips and doing, doing stuff that really got you getting interested in radio and putting out the information and it was jack blood and he was saying you're complaining about the media stop complaining about the media become the media and that's uh, you know one thing that we had done that's one thing that you're doing and that's that's one thing that more and more people need to do we need to start uh getting a, a vast array of knowledge out there because there is so much knowledge number one um and throughout throughout this whole thing and, and fighting the new world order but there's also you know understanding that knowledge too and and making people understand what that knowledge means the analysis of it in general absolutely and uh you know, this is it's a continual process you know the minute you put out a documentary especially of a political nature you wait two weeks and something else has happened you know there's there's more information on it so we have uh kind of developed uh, an idea of being able to put out a documentary and then guide people to our website and then they can get updates and, uh, you know, a continuation of, of uh, information uh, as, it, as it becomes available. So I think it's important for people to 
not just watch the documentaries, but afterwards they really need to go out and research these topics for themselves. And I hope that, uh, you know, I hope that we're persuading people to do that. In, in Washington and Fired, we give out a, a number of different websites that people can go to to get their alternative media. And, um, you know, it's not just about listening to a, an online radio program or an online television program. It's about, um, you know, knowing the difference between when you're, when you're getting spin and when you're getting the truth. And, you know, we want people to be able to go to CNN and Fox and read their stories, but we also want them to be able to read between the lines and understand really and truly what's going on. So, you know, I think if people get a blend of alternative media and mainstream media, they, they begin to recognize the lies. That's, you know, that's kind of you and I have been exposed to it for such a long time that, you know, it, it may become easier as, as the days go on for us to, you know, interject what we think is actually taking place here. And mm-hmm. a lot of the times we're right, it, and it maybe puts you on the right course of um, you know, other information that you need to research. And, you know, the, it's a continual process. It's just one thing leads to another. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's sort of like learning a new language. You go and turn on the mainstream media and realize that there's an entire uh, a subsection of stuff that they're trying to tell you um, that, that may not even coincide with what you had originally thought that they were saying. Um, but I want to I, I want to get into uh, torture. I know it's it's a it's a bad subject, but uh, the time has come to talk about it. Um, you know, let me start off, I guess, William, when we're talking about torture by asking the mentally unstable question that seem can't seem to, to get addressed sanely anyways by the mainstream media and the Hannity's and the O'Reilly's and the Rush Limbaugh's in the world. But this is something that they slammed uh, Michelle Obama for. You know, I, we're talking about depleted uranium, how bad uh, the troops are suffering. We're talking about torture, how people are getting tortured. You know, when sh- Michelle Obama goes out and says in 2008, America is a mean country. I mean, would you agree with that, William, or do you think America is just an ignorant country? Well, I think the, the, the people are not as informed as they need to be, and the leaders that we have in place are indeed, uh, you know, evil. So infer from that what you want. You know, you, you, you put evil people in charge, um, and we say it all the time, who are you going to vote for, a Democrat or a Republican? Oh, I'm voting for the lesser of the two evils. Well, <laughs> you know, voting for less evil is still voting for evil. And uh, we, we seem to continually buy into that notion that we're going to be wasting our vote if we, uh, you know, I, I had, uh, who was it, uh, the uh, representative uh, Jim Guest assistant was over here a couple of days ago. We spent, you know, the afternoon, her trying to convince me who I needed to vote for. And <laughs> she was, you know, obviously not for Obama, and she was trying to convince me to vote for, for McCain. And, you know, I'm just... Um, I'm so apathetic. I'm, mean, you know, honestly, honestly, at this moment, I'm not sure exactly who I'm going to vote for. I know the records of all the candidates, but um, I don't think anybody is, I, William. I, I have no clue who I'm voting for. Well, this is the situation that we find ourselves in. I mean, even some of the top leaders in our, in our, you know, truth community and our uh, leaders in our um, movement and and this revolution that's going on. Don't even don't even know who they're going to vote for. Look, you know, we we just we honestly, this has got to be the worst 
choice of candidates in any election that we've ever had in this country. Um, you know, to put it mildly, uh, and um, you look at Obama; he is sponsoring Senate Bill twenty four thirty three, which is a plan to merge the United States with the United Nations, and in the process, give the United Nations 0.7 percent of the gross national product of the United States, which works mm-hmm. out to, I think, over the, over the over the period of their plan, works out to about something like thirty trillion dollars is something ridiculous. Uh, you know, aren't we already in debt? Um, which is which is not necessarily the, the point of, of bringing that up, but, um, you know, merging us and getting us in, in even, even deeper with the United Nations, um, we're not even, we're not even taking a look at what the United Nations is doing in other countries. Sure, there's some humanitarian work going on, and people tend to point to that, but their their philosophy and their their thinking on the way politics should be played out in countries is not very democratic. And well, it's, nobody you know, nobody it's, elects any of them, William. Nobody elects any of the people in, in the United Nations. They get appointed by our president. Uh, one one person gets appointed by our president, and then they make massive amounts of laws that, that dictate everything that happens in the United States. I mean, it's just it's disgusting, and it's one of the things that Bill Clinton went hardcore on. And another thing that well, uh, Barack Obama is, is is going for as well that that centralization of world government. I mean, what else? What other bad crap do we have to look forward uh, to with with a Barack Obama? <laughs> Well, I'd question whether we're going to have a Second Amendment when he's done with it. And I, I say, that, say that. Well, I say that because, you know, by merging us with uh, the philosophies of the United Nations, who wants to get rid of all small weapons around the world, that includes the United States. And many people don't even realize, well, small weapons, that's not a problem. We can get rid of those. But that covers a lot of territory. When they, when they refer to small weapons, they're talking about everything from a rifle to a pistol. You know, it, it, it includes probably all of the guns that you might have in the collection at your home or whatever you have for protection. Uh, you know, those are the types of things that we're talking about uh, uh, when we say small weapons or light weapons. And um, I'm, I'm a little worried about that, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little worried that when Obama gets in there, we're going to be taxed to death. I mean, how do they expect to pay for this 0.7% of the gross national product? You know, they... They have some proposals of how they plan to do it, and they want to tax us on everything from petroleum to gas and minerals to, you know, just the uh, the use of the air. When you get in an airplane, you have to pay them because you use their airspace. <laughs> you know, it's stupid stuff, but wow. you add it all up, these a dozen different ways that they want to tax us. And, uh, you know, I have a feeling by the time uh, we, we see the uh, two-year halfway mark of uh, the Obama administration, uh, this country is going to be in a state of um, economic turmoil as a result. Well, yeah, I've been hearing that a lot as well, that, you know, the, when, when the two-year mark comes and, you know, he's had his time to do whatever he says is uh, happening out there with the quote-unquote change that he's putting forth, I think, a lot of people are going to realize that he really wasn't so much an agent of change, um, you know, certainly not for the better. But I definitely think we are we're from an activist standpoint and from a political standpoint, um, you know, when that two year mark hits, people are going to be saying to themselves, holy crap, what did we do? We just voted for this for this guy and, and, and we thought he was going to bring change. Who can we trust now? 
now that Obama now that Obama has stabbed us in the back, who who can we possibly trust? Maybe it'll be a good thing. Who knows? Um, what was the question? No, no question. I was just I was just jabbering on. But I do want to get back into uh, to the torture. You know what 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 point are we at right now? You know, the, just the, the collapse of our society in terms of a morality standpoint. Where are we with torture? I mean, what type, what kind of laws are, are politicians passing that sort of um, try to get out of the way of torture so that they could waterboard people and things of that nature? Well, there was um, the Military Commissions Act, which a lot of people, you know, uh, are familiar with because they, they keep hearing about habeas corpus being taken away, and it's responsible for that. But along with uh, the John Warner National Defense Act, you know, and the Military Commissions Act, when you add those two things up, we have completely redefined torture. And, you know, I've heard lots of different uh, ways to, to explain what torture is. And, you know, the Bush administration wants a definition that, that says you have to be close to death or organ failure in, in order for it to be torture. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of different ways to torture people and keep them alive. So I don't know that that's necessarily a good measuring stick. Um, you know, the simple fact of the matter is the American people don't seem to really care if they're torturing these prisoners of war or whatever we want to call these people. The, you know, my problem with the whole situation is, is that, you know, what happens if it's me? What if I'm the enemy combatant? What if I'm the guy who they don't like? You know, um, it, 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 it's on the word of the president that these people can be rounded up. And we've seen the president go behind the backs of the American people and monitor all of our telecommunications, monitor all of our fax, internet, email, everything, and without our knowledge, and then come out later and admit it, and then pass a law that excuses it. Okay, so who knows what these people really want to do? I certainly don't want to be on the list, and I don't want I don't want torture to be legal. Yeah, no, I know, they're completely psychotic, and I don't want it to be legal either. We'll be right back, folks. We're talking with William Lewis from uh, Washington, you're fired. Stay tuned. Five two six four six nineteen eighty four. If you'd like to drop us an instant message, it's Animal Farm Show, all one word, AOL Instant Messenger, um, and our website is animalfarmshow.com. If you want to check out any of uh, any of Williams' uh, films, just go to animalfarmshow.com. In the bottom right, you have that little advertisement that shows uh, um, uh, the Washington Your Fire DVD. Just click on that, and you'll be taken over to our affiliate page. Uh, you got to get these films; they're great. And when you hand them out to people. Um, to try to spread the word, you, it's it's very important that you hand out the original copy of the film because you you'd you'd be incredibly amazed how important it is for people to see the fact that it's in a DVD case with DVD graphics and the fact that the DVD is printed on. They could put it in their player at home and watch it, like and and get a bowl of popcorn ready and things like that. It's just very important rather than handing out a DVD with a blank label on it that says Washington, you're fired, written in, in crayon or whatever like that. Um, but we are talking to William Lewis, the creator of the film, and we were talking about uh, torture. And I wanted I wanted to get your insight on I mean on torture in terms of the morality of our country. I mean, I, I constantly listen to Sean Hannity out there, and he's he's constantly saying, "Well, Michelle Obama thinks in 2008 America is a mean country." And if we are sitting there uh, and we know about torture and we're not doing anything about it, or we call it or we're calling it waterboarding, and we're sort of 
uh, sidestepping torture. Aren't we a mean country? I mean, I think that we're a mean country. <laughs> well, we certainly have leaders who uh, are mean, and, you know, that's the subjective term. You know, what does mean actually mean? Um, Torturing people is mean, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, well, it goes beyond mean. You know, it is uh, diabolical. It is um, it's, it's evil, like I was pointing out before. You know, what, what causes someone to be mean? You know, there's, uh, I, I'm, I'm not sure there's, there's a whole host of psychological reasons why someone would do something like that. Maybe they used to kill little birds when they were a child or they you know, strip the hair off cats or dangle them over bridges into the water. I don't know what. But, you know, the, the, the point of the, the conversation here is that we have elected individuals and put them in places of power, and they are, um, you know, they're, they're subverting our Constitution. They're going around the world, bombing other countries based on fabricated information. Because why? You know, be, because... They have other agendas, and we need people in the White House and in our Congress and our Senate who have an agenda to promote the United States Constitution and the people of this country first, above all else. And we, we simply don't have the, that leadership in this country, period. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, let's look at uh, New Orleans, you know, and some of the examples of just the poor leadership that happened there. But what were what were some of the basic violations of the constitutions that were happening, you know, during and after the crisis, I guess I should say? Well, I don't necessarily consider this a basic violation of the constitution. This is this is about as high as it gets. Uh, they decided at some point that uh, nobody needed to be armed. They decided that uh, they would take five different governmental agencies, and uh, you know it was like the DEA, the ATF, U.S. Marshals, uh, New Orleans Police Department, uh, you know, National Guard, and and they they sent them around to people's homes, and they would you know knock on the back door and the side windows and the front door all at the same time to get these people's attention to get them to open the door. And then they would barge their way in and proceed to tell the people that you have to turn over your firearms. And, you know, we've got some, some great footage in there of, uh, uh, you know, Patty Connie, who had her gun confiscated right there on camera. Uh, you know, it, it's, a, it's a fact that they were doing this. You know, we, we've got video of people out in the streets sitting there with their hands behind their backs tied up with these little plastic handcuffs because they were simply trying to protect their family members uh, in their home with a gun, which, you know, in a, in a time of national crisis might not be such a bad idea to have one. And yet our government is responsible for going around and rounding those, those weapons up. Um, I mean, that's just, that's just one example. There was the, uh, the Gretna Bridge incident. Um, the, the, you know, the, part of the city was flooded, part of the city was not. And the, the, the flooded part of the city, everyone was trying to escape, um, they had uh, congregated, I think it was around I-20, which is uh, you know, Interstate 20, and the National Guard came through and said there's going to be some buses over in Gretna, which is on the other side of the bridge, and you people need to go over there so that we can put you in these buses and take you to safety. Well, everybody starts on foot off across the bridge, and it's New Orleans. So you've got, you know, approximately 70% black, 30% white. 
you know, going across this bridge, and they get to the other side, and here is the police chief Arthur S. Lawson Jr. standing on the other side with his deputies, and they've got police cars lined up, and they start firing into and over the heads of the crowd to try to get them to turn around, and of course it worked. Someone's shooting a gun at me, I'm going to turn around and go the other direction too. But, uh, you know, the whole the whole point here is that um, from the federal level all the way down to the local level, it was a complete catastrophe. <laughs> uh, and, you know, of, of, of uh, proportions that need to be investigated. Yeah. Someone needs what type to, of, you know, what someone types, needs of, what types of social conditioning did you see in, in Katrina? You know, we saw the, the flat-out tyranny and the taking away of guns and things, but w- did you see any social sc- conditioning and or being con- uh, Katrina being used as a uh, social conditioning tool for the rest of America? I'm not sure necessarily about the rest of America. I mean, potentially so, but uh, more directly, they had, um, you know, they had uh, religious figures and people who were, you know, in, in particular positions of uh, religious. Uh, I'm trying to think of what the name is or what they were talking about, but you know, basically, we had priests who had been told. By FEMA, and I, I believe this, it was shown that this came directly down from the White House. Who yeah, were the clergy told, response team. Yeah, yeah they, they, they were told to go into these communities and preach Romans 13, which was, you know, it's basically you must be subservient to your government. Your government's always right, blah, 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 whatever. You know, that type of thing. And, you know, we saw that in, uh, in Germany when... Uh, Hitler was coming to power. They they went to the church and they began to convert the congregation through their religious leaders. And uh, you know, I think we we saw the, a little taste of that in New Orleans. Uh, and there's just there's so many different implications here. Whether we can say that this is brainwashing for the uh, entire country or not, maybe I don't know. I mean, if it had been a totally successful operation, you know, and um, you know, maybe if they hadn't violated our rights, perhaps. Perhaps so, but the only thing it does, you know, when I see this type of stuff is infuriate me. Yeah. But, well, here's the thing, you know, it, it may have, you know, I guess the question, and it always is the question of whether it was purposeful or not. You know, was there some men in a smoky room making decisions and saying, okay, we want a news broadcast, we want people to be taken out of the house, um, and we want them to be the evil gun owners, and, and they're going to be the people that we demonize and call radicals and crazy um, you know, regardless of whether people up there were making decisions or not, that seemed to be the result of all this, where you would go and you would talk to somebody and they say, and they would say, well, it was other chaos. Of course, there had to be martial law. Of course, they had to take away people's guns. Um, you know, but once you look into the details of it, you'll see that that's not necessarily true, that taking away the guns of people was actually a, a form of victim disarmament, where they were taking away of guns, people trying to defend their families, defend their homes, defend their property, defend their food, and uh, basically just trying to survive during a, a ridiculously crazy uh, incident out there. So, I mean, it's that's that's the way I see it. You know, regardless of whether it was purposeful or not, it seemed to me that the ultimate result of it was, uh, you know, a dumbed-down population, more of a dumbed-down population. But, uh, uh, you know, we'll get more of that into that when we get back. We are talking to William Lewis, and you are listening to the Animal Farm on the We The People Radio Network. AnimalFarmShow.com is the website. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
Talk to William Lewis here, uh, creator of Washington, You're Fired. Um, and I, we were just talking about Katrina and that, the, the crappiness that happened there. Um, but, you know, the biggest star of, of Katrina was the organization FEMA. And I want to know if you can give people a basic rundown of what FEMA is. And then I want to get into the executive orders uh, to show people just the sheer amount of power this organization has. Sure, sure. Well, well the, uh, the you know, Federal Emergency Management Agency is what we're talking about. Yeah. And uh, they are, you know, put into place to go into action when some type of catastrophe, whether it's man-made or natural, happens here in the United States. And they're, you know, supposed to coordinate evacuations and protection of the citizens. And um, I think we're, you know, what we actually see when we get into some of the executive orders and some of the affiliations with Halliburton and and others, Bethlehem Steel and things of that nature, we we get into a whole other area of uh, potentially concentration camps being built around the country. Uh, I think everyone's probably familiar with this story, but you know, there's approximately 150 of these FEMA facilities built around the country waiting to be activated in the event of some type of a catastrophe. And I think what, you know, the question that people are asking is, if these are facilities that are designed to evacuate civilians and feed them and shelter them and house them until the catastrophe is over, why are they built like prisons? You know, why, did, why, why do they have cells to bars? Why do they have barred entranceways and turnstiles? And why is the barbed wire fence facing the opposite direction as if it's you know, meant to keep people in instead of you know, keep people from getting in? It's you know, designed to keep people from getting out. So, you know, those are the kind of questions that I'm asking about FEMA at this point. Are they really here to uh, protect us in the event of some type of an emergency, or is it really some type of a plan to implement martial law? Yeah, well, I mean, when you 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 look at the executive orders, you know, a number, I think, 12148 is the one that created the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Um, and it, basically, according to the president, at his whim, if he creates, a, if he designates a national emergency, then uh, automatically his executive orders kick in, and FEMA has that incredible amount of power that that we're talking about. You know, the the notion that uh, concentration camps are, are happening here in the United States is uh, incredibly uh, hard to grasp, I guess, for for some for some normal people. I mean, I, we're, we're, we may be preaching to the choir here, William, but you know, the, my my always uh, my thing is always you know pretend that we're not preaching to the choir. Pretend everybody that has never heard this type of stuff is listening before. And uh, the executive orders really, really, really surprised the hell out of me the first time I, I saw them. Essentially, so I'm just going to read a couple of them here, if you don't mind. Executive Order Ten Nine Nine Zero allows the government to take over all modes of transportation and controls of highways and seaports. And you'll see why, uh, you know, William is questioning this and why I'm questioning this. And uh, you'll just see by these orders. 10995 allows the government to seize and control the communication media. 10997 allows the government to take over all electrical power, gas, petroleum, fuels, and minerals. 10998 allows the government to take over all food resources and and farms. Uh, 11,000 allows the government to mobilize civilians into work brigades under government supervision. 1101 allows the government to take over all health, education, and welfare functions. 1102 designates the Postmaster General to operate a national registration of all persons. 
uh, maybe for our execution. I, I don't know. 1103 allows the government to take over all airports, aircraft, including commercial. I mean, this is total power, William, right? I mean, just 100% power. Are, is FEMA, is, will FEMA be giving us nightmares 50 years from now is, I guess, essentially the question. <laughs> well, if we're fortunate enough to still have this country 50 years from now, um, I, I don't know. Um, you know, all the executive orders that you're talking about are, uh, you know, almost superseded by the National Defense Act, the John Warner National Defense Act for uh, 2007. Um, you know, they obviously they, 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 it's a problem that these executive orders are on the books, but under the John Warner National Defense Act, the president doesn't even need a real public emergency in order to make the declaration of an emergency. It's just, you know, it's left at the discretion of the president, and it's whatever he perceives as a public emergency. That could be anything from a Hurricane Katrina to a food shortage. It could be anything. So, and that's you know, the point. You know, that's, that's one of the things that we talk about when we, when we talk about the, two, the, the paradigm two-party system is you can be, be pro-Clinton, you could be pro-Barack uh, Obama, but you don't want Bush to have this power. And if you're a Bush fan, you can be you know, pro-Bush and pro-Herbert Walker Bush and pro-Reagan, but you don't want the Clintons to have this plan. So it really is, it, it supersedes uh, both sides of the spectrum that we're talking about here. I mean, it's, it's, it's the thing, the reason why it scares the crap out of me, William, is because it's laying the infrastructure for total domination, not only domination um, in terms of your lives and everything that you do, but domination in terms of extermination practices, too. I mean, really just horrible, horrible stuff, the infrastructure for total tyranny and total death. That's absolutely true. Uh, uh, I guess... What we've got to do is spread this information. I mean, that's what this is all about. Um, you know, this is why we put this type of information in Washington, you're fired, and we tried to present it in a non-inflammatory way. You know, this is, you know, this is probably one of the, uh, the few documentaries that you're going to see out there where we don't actually get overly excited when we're giving you this information. We don't scream at you and tell you what you're supposed to think. We lay all of this out fact by fact. Here's the bill. Here's what the bill does. Here's how it affects you, and this is what you can do about it. It's a very matter of fact. And um, there's a lot of different solutions to the various problems that we have. Uh, some of them are more direct and involve getting uh, involved in the political process, going to Washington, D.C., maybe potentially writing your congressman or your senator. But a more direct action is what we're suggesting, and that is for people like you and me to actually take up the cause to run for political office. And we don't care whether you're running for congressman or senator or whether you're running for state representative or whether you're running for city council. It doesn't make any difference. Uh, you have to get involved in, in, in some way in your own political system or else we've abandoned it. We, we're leaving it to the tyrants. We're leaving it to these evil men to make these decisions for us. And we know that they're not going to make the right decision because we can look at their record and, you know, see, see over and over and over again that they didn't read the bill or they knew point blank exactly what was in the bill and voted for it anyway. You know, um, the, the whole USA Patriot Act is a really good example. I don't excuse any of those men who voted for the first one, but by the same token, the men who voted for 
the reauthorization of the Patriot Act by then, by that time, knew exactly what was in the bill. And yet, they voted for the reauthorization, which made most of the uh, USA Patriot Act permanent. Yeah, I mean, you know, they they totally know better. Um, you know, the 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 first one, in, in my opinion, uh, you know, Ron Paul handled it perfectly. He basically said, if you're not giving us the proper time to read this, then there's something wrong with this bill, and I'm just not going to vote for it. And I think there was only two people, right? Am I correct, uh, William? Only two people didn't vote for it. Well, listen, listen to this. Or only two people said no, right? Well, yeah, there were several people screaming no. I'm sorry, I thought there was only two nays. <laughs> uh, well, to my knowledge, Ron Paul didn't actually vote for the bill at all. I don't think he uh, voted yes or no. All right, so you know that brings us to a completely different set of questions that we won't necessarily get into here. But, um, you know, get, getting back to the, the Patriot Act, the... <sighs> This is right after September the 11th, okay? So we're, we're still in a state of chaos. Washington didn't go home. You know, uh, those congressmen and those senators stayed in their offices. They were putting together, the, the Congress was putting together their plan, and they called it the, uh, the Patriot Act, and the Senate was putting together their plan, and they called it the USA Act. And then there was a decision at the last minute, we need to combine the two bills and just make it into the USA Patriot Act. And they did. The problem here is, that the Bush administration went behind all of our congressmen and women's back, and they had a guy named Viet Dinh draft up the White House version of the USA Patriot Act and substitute it literally at 3.45 in the morning when they had these things printed up. Um, you know, this is why you've got uh, Peter DeFazio on the House floor screaming to the top of his lungs that... Uh, you know, you need to give us time to read this bill. These are our, yes. you know, these are our freedoms that we're talking about. So not only did they pass an unconstitutional bill, but they substituted it at the last minute. And these congressmen and women didn't have time to read it, knew that they didn't have time to read it, yet they signed the bill anyway. They, they voted yes on the bill. Yeah, That's I mean, that to me is... That to me is enough to really to really just kick him out of office. Uh, we're coming up on a break. We'll be right back. Animalfarmshow.com. We're talking to William Lewis. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Ben Miller, and I am here on the Animal Farm, broadcasting from the We The People Radio Network, chilling here with William Lewis, creator of Washington, You're Fired. And we were getting into uh, the Patriot Act and how uh, a bunch of the uh, you know Congress essentially voted for it. Um, now, I cut you off before because uh, we had a break, William. Do you want to finish up with what you were saying? Well, yeah, I did want to correct one thing. I was uh, We were talking about the USA Patriot Act when Ron Paul came up, and I said that uh, he didn't vote for the bill. Actually, he did vote no on the USA Patriot Act. It was the Protect America Act and H.R. 1955 that he didn't vote on. Oh, so very interesting. Now, why do you think he didn't vote on that? That's a really good question. You know, he may have not considered it um, important enough. In other words, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean that, uh, it, you know, perhaps he knew that it was going to pass because it had the support that it needed. He had spoken and said what he needed to on the topic and didn't feel that he should waste his time 
you know, showing up to vote no for it. But, you know, I'd be just the opposite. I'd want to make sure I was there to vote no on something like this. So, again, I'm yeah. not sure exactly why you didn't show up. Absolutely. Uh, tell, tell people about 1955. That was the uh, Domestic Terrorism Act, right, where they can designate, uh, you know, U.S. citizens uh, domestic terrorists, essentially. Yeah, this is a really scary bill because this deals with how you think and what you think and do you think the right way. And, I mean, quite literally encapsulated in this bill, if, you, if you're outspoken from a political standpoint, from a religious standpoint, or from a social standpoint, if you're just trying to affect some type of religious, political, or social change, you're designated as a dangerous person. You know, if you can change someone's mind, you are a potential homegrown terrorist. And that's a really large category to be put into because, you know, I like to think that I can take on an argument, debate it, and, and hopefully, you know, win my side of the argument. And what they're saying is that if you're effective at doing it, you're a terrorist. <laughs> How it's incredible. No, it's incredible. <laughs> and, and, you know, the notion of uh, the notion that, you know, you can th – th what's mind-blowing to me about this is that the infrastructure it's just this infrastructure it seems so uh it seems so purposeful and intent with <laughs> essentially putting us into camps and executing us i mean that sounds totally crazy and totally wild but from my point of view everything that we've said here tonight sort of points to that does it not i mean i don't know am i am i being crazy william not at all this isn't paranoia either you know remember paranoia is unjustified i think we have plenty of justification to be very afraid of our government at this point and you know, to the point that we need to be cautious and wary of every single thing that they do. And that's what's so scary about this is, is you know, we know that our government doesn't have our best interest in mind. And now we've got candidates who have made their way into the political process. Some of them have been there for years and years and years, term after term after term. And they simply have shown us over and over again that they don't care about the will of the American people. You know, we can... It seems that, you know, we can write them letters all day long and send them emails and go there and protest, and we don't seem to affect the way they vote. And that, to me, you know, <laughs> just tells me that, you know, the, the, the representative republic that we have in place is not, is not functioning properly because and it's not the system, it's, it's the people. You know, the, yeah. the, the Congress is the most powerful body in our political system. And the, the framers of the Constitution did that deliberately because they thought that if we send 535 individuals up to Washington to represent the people, that, that surely those people would vote to protect their own freedom and their own liberties. And it's simply, it's simply not true anymore. We, we have people who have, uh, you know, they're, they're leaders of corporations and business tycoons and people who have tremendous business interests abroad that are making decisions for Americans and they're not in our best interest. They're in the interest of the corporations and then they're in the best interest of filling the pocketbooks of those congressmen and, and women. Yeah, I mean, that's the scariest notion of all this. Willem, do you want to take a, a couple phone calls before we finish up here? Okay, let's fire. Let's fire through them. Uh, we got Ray in Pennsylvania. Ray, you are on the farm. How you sorry doing, man? Calling so, sorry, calling so late. I had to do something before. How are you, gentlemen? I'm um, excellent. You you talked to before. Uh, your guest talked to before about the depleted uranium, and and was there an amount of 
people that have been killed? Is there an exact number of people? Do we know about them? And the reason why I ask that, um, we always heard about Saddam Hussein and how he gassed his own people, and I don't know how many people died in that. And I'm not, I'm not trying to devalue anybody's life, but that's all that we heard about, how he gassed his own people. But we're not hearing about how our depleted uranium is killing people. Yeah, just to interject, it was three to 500,000 estimated that Saddam killed of his own people. Um, but continue, William, I'm sorry. 500,000? Yeah, well, he was asking how many of our, you know, how many of our troops have been affected by this. And uh, but even, but even if the I'm Iranian, remembering correctly, I, I don't have these figures in front of me. But, but, even, but even the five, Iraqi people, how many of the Iraqi people have died because of that? Three to 500,000 is, is the number that I've heard. I see. Not, not well, oh, a, I mean, just the people that sit on gas. And, and, and so the now let me get back to the question about the Kurds. How many of the Kurds died when supposedly Saddam had gassed, gassed them? Do we know the numbers of that? That, that was my number, actually, right? It was three to 500,000 with the, with the Kurds. That's what they're saying. Wow. So, you know, man's inhumanity, you know, it really doesn't matter upon if, they're, if it's our inhumanity or Saddam Hussein's inhumanity. We're still... We're still Terrible people. <laughs> to say well, not just to uh, not just to them. Okay, I mean, keep in mind that that out of five hundred thousand troops that were sent to the Gulf War in nineteen ninety one, about a hundred and ten thousand of those men and women have died. Mm-hmm. And just incredible, right? Thank you very much for the call. We're going to go to uh, uh, Jeffy Jeffrey in Kentucky. Uh, Jeffrey, the main man. How you doing, man? You're on the farm. Hey, not bad at all. The reason I haven't been on the phone here lately is because I've had a couple of medical problems popped up, probably because of the same topic you're talking of. Uh, um, I, I went down to a virus from unknown origin here recently and they shut my kidneys down, and I ended up in a VA hospital for a week. And uh, with all this said and done, and I know a lot of the troops over there in Iraq, if the wind blows right, the freaking chemical alarms will go off. That's how bad it is over there. But, you know, with all this said and done and what William here has been talking um, about affecting change, at what point do we just say or do we call a state a state and start breaking out the beans and bullets? I know that uh, you're asking me a question, but you're breaking up and I couldn't hear it. I said, uh, at what point do we uh, just call a state a state and uh, start breaking out the beans and bullets? Oh. <laughs> oh, well, we're not far from it. You know, it's it just... It's not something that I recommend, though. You know, we're um, uh, awfully quick, we're mean, awfully yeah. quick to rush into a situation where we're going to be pulling guns on each other, and I guarantee they've got bigger guns than we do. And yeah, uh, I mean, even I guarantee I'm not the one to do that, sir, because uh, I spent two tours in Kosovo, one in Iraq. I've seen enough of my time, but at some point, yeah. this whole this whole veterans affair issue is going to come to a head. And, there's a lot of a lot of soldiers out here out there who have been disenfranchised and left on the sidelines. And Mitch McConnell and Dr. Colburn, Senator Colburn, just um, vetoed a bill that would give paralyzed veterans uh, a leg up in the government. And I don't know. I don't know what much more to do. So, Jeffrey, thank you very much for the call. Um, we're running out of time. We gotta we gotta move it along here because we gotta we gotta close things up. But yeah, I mean, I, I would it, for me chiming in really quickly there. I would say that you know we don't want to get violent with these people um, because you know violence isn't the answer. Violence leads to more violence. 
Um, and we, we need to we need to play chess and not checkers. We need to understand the strategy behind this. So if we start pulling forth fireworks and they're going to go forth in their uh, propaganda campaigns that we are violent and they're being peaceful and we're attacking them and they have the prop- control of the propaganda right now. Uh, William, do you have anything to say in regards to that? Yeah, I mean, I think we should avoid some type of an armed conflict at all costs. And uh, you know, this, this gets into the whole situation of uh, not just do they have bigger guns than we do, but, you know, they, they have a whole range of uh, executive orders and plans and things in place. They want us to, to have some type of an armed revolution in this country. This would absolutely set their motions to make us into a belief state, you know, in motion overnight. Yeah, So, completely. yeah, we, we definitely would we want to avoid that. We just want to go in and take back our, our government and our political system with no bloodshed, preferably. I agree wholeheartedly. Thank you very much for, uh, for joining me here, William. Um, if anybody wants to get his films, animalfarmshow.com is the website. Go to the bottom right. You'll see that, uh, you'll see that little uh, advertisement there. Just click on that and, uh, and you'll take a, it'll take you to all of William's films and you can go check them out. You could buy them. I'm sorry for all the callers that we're not able to get to. William, did you have anything on your mind? We have about a minute left. Well, um, we've covered so much ground, but you know, I just think that if, if you put these things in a list, Let's put them on a list. All right, freedom of speech, right to assemble, probable cause, search and seizure limitations, search warrants. We lost all that. We lost, um, you know, habeas corpus, posse comitatus, uh, invasion of our business records, our Internet privacy, our banking records, our medical privacy, any kind of reading and personal thoughts that we might have. If you don't call this a police state, then I'm not sure what we have to do to convince you because by my definition, we are we're currently living in the beginning stages of the biggest American police state that any of us have ever seen. Absolutely. Thank you very much, William. Um, We've got to do something about it. Yes, we have to do something about it. Go and check out the film, Washington, You're Fired. Folks, uh, that's it for uh, this week. We'll be back Tuesday for uh, for me and Tony and Pyeth, uh to set in your government as, as American as apple pie. See you next week.